This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Telegraph Telegraph. Podcasts The champagne corks are popped, the bunting sagging and the cake eaten. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are now, finally, husband and wife. On Saturday, Windsor Castle hosted the wedding of the year. And now that it's over, we're not quite sure what to do with ourselves, actually. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. Thanks for joining us. I'm Charlie Gowans Edlinton, and with me in the studio are Bethan Holt, Sonia Haria, and Caroline Leeper. Today's episode is a royal wedding special, and later on we'll be dissecting the talking point of the day, Megan's dress. But before we get to that, we'll be hearing from members of the team on every last detail, with Stephen Doy giving us his take on the men's outfits and Sarah Royce Greensill turning her expert eye to the jewellery. While many of you will have watched the wedding at parties surrounded by friends and family, we got our first glimpses of guests arriving on a big screen in the office. Though before you feel too bad for us, I should mention that there was a lot of cake in circulation and a Bucks Fizz trolley pushed by one of our hardened news reporters. The guest list spanned everyone from British aristocracy to Hollywood royalty. And this was an opportunity to really dress up. Bethan, who was your best dressed guest of the day? Oh my gosh, where to start? I think there were so many incredibly stylish guests. Um, But I did love Charlotte Riley, the the wife of Tom Hardy. He was in a lovely um, dark floral vampire's wife dress um, that was very chic. It definitely felt like this was the wedding for the kind of um, up and coming cool brands you know, to kind of have their moment. We saw a lot of um, a lot of Vampire's Wife. Yeah. Quite a lot of the kind of fashion week brands that we, we see kind of doing catwalk shows as opposed to, I mean, there were still those really classic um, occasion wear labels mixed in there as well. You know, your Susannas and your Eponines. Yeah, and obviously Carol Middleton or Catherine Walker. Of course. Okay. What did Amal wear? That bright yellow, amazing Ooh, dress. That was Stella McCartney. Was it was beautiful, wasn't it? That was beautiful. I, she was my sort of... Guest of the day. My, my friend was texting me <laughs> saying um, saying that she thinks yellow dresses are going to be flying off the shelves now because it's quite a hard colour to wear, but yeah. I think Amal, could, Amal definitely made the case for it. She sold it well, didn't she? Did. Um, and her skin was so bronzed as well. Yeah. Mm. I think for me, the absolute moment was when the cast of Suits rocked up. Oh, they, yeah. That's oh, something, yeah. That, that walk in formation in the sharp looks <laughs> is something that they do really regularly on the show. <laughs> so as a fan of the show, I really appreciated that, that they'd done that as they arrived. And Abigail Spencer particularly, <gasps> yes. her outfit, the Alessandra Ridge, it was kind of a 40s polka dot dress with a little side hat. It was gorgeous. It was spot on for me. 
There was another polka dot dress. Um, it wasn't, I, I don't think it got pictured at Windsor, but it was on Instagram. Um, uh, Violet, who used to work at, at Vogue, I think, wore the brown version of that dress. Mm. And yeah, my heart skipped a beat, I have to say. It was very Hollywood people taking on what they think they should wear to a British wedding as well, yeah. which I thought was brilliant. The Duchess of Cambridge's outfit was a talking point as well, but not for the reasons you might expect. Caroline, tell us more. Yeah, so on the surface, uh, it looked like she'd got a gorgeous McQueen coat. Uh, it was kind of a primrose yellow, yellow colour. Uh, yeah, all seemed well until we kind of realised it was a, a coat that she's worn. This is the fourth time she's worn it. So she's worn it three times before, including a quite visible occasions like Princess Charlotte's <laughs> christening um, and a few other things and this got a lot of people kind of talking in the office like is this a snub is she saying is she saying she she didn't even bother to buy a new outfit for the day or is she being sisterly and letting Megan have her moment in the spotlight or also you know you've got to get cut her some slack it's three weeks since she's given birth so maybe she just fancied wearing something she really likes and is comfy in that's the thing it's for the rest of us obviously there's total logic in you wouldn't have had time you've got a newborn baby and also you know do you really want to buy something that might not fit you properly in a couple of months when you're a duchess I don't think the same kind of problems apply so it probably wouldn't have been mm. too much hassle for her to maybe get something new do we think mm, she's I doing think it she as should a have. <laughs> I'm so torn I, I, I feel like maybe she was just trying to step back and I mean, obviously, it was going to be, there was no way that Kate was ever going to overshadow Meghan unless, you know, she'd worn some kind of seven foot hat or something, you know. It's always the bride's day, isn't it? And especially with Meghan Markle, who is very stylish and was very beautiful and was always going to look totally phenomenal. There was no way that Kate was ever going to kind of overshadow her but you know she was just doubly making sure but Kate's always very careful of that because she had a she worked with McQueen I think on a custom piece for her sister's wedding yeah you know despite the fact that her sister obviously had made lots of headlines on Kate's big day yeah. Kate didn't feel the need to return that favor to Pippa you know she yeah, did a very, a very tasteful tasteful dress yeah I do think, to be fair as well, McQueen was probably the only brand that she could guarantee Meghan wasn't going to wear because obviously yeah. she wasn't going to wear yeah. the same as she had for her wedding dress. Yeah. So maybe she was just really, really, really trying to play it safe. Do you think she would have known beforehand what Meghan's dress was going to be like? The Queen has to see it. Yeah. The Queen has to, yeah. to approve it. It's not, a, it's not like a formal protocol um, but Sassy Holford, who designed um, Autumn Kelly's dress, which mm. was actually the last kind of royal wedding, I guess, to happen yeah. at, at St. George's Chapel, um, she was telling me that they had to show, or Autumn decided to show the Queen three days before the wedding, when she really couldn't have done much about it if yeah, she hadn't exactly. liked it. <laughs> but yeah, it's not, a, it's not a formality, but it is considered polite. I, I reckon um, Megan might have hinted to Kate what she was thinking about her wedding dress. I don't know. We all kind of had heard a few days before that she was going to have a second wedding dress and that had been kind of in the offing from, from the beginning. I don't think even she knew who she was going to choose for the evening dress because apparently they were yeah, kind of lined up running, waiting. there were yeah. So at the last royal wedding in 2011, uh, Beatrice and Eugenie made headlines thanks to particularly bold outfit and hat choices. Uh, this time around they played it safe. Uh, Eugenie chose a Jackie O inspired dress by new label Gansborg and Beatrice a £12,000 Roxander dress. Did they get it right? Um, I, I thought Beatrice looked 
really, really beautiful. I thought the dress was a gorgeous colour. Um, I thought her hairband was lovely. Um, her her sort of makeup and hair. She just she just looked she looked lovely, and she'd kind of made the best of herself, which I think in the past perhaps she hasn't been so great at doing. Well, it was Beatrice who's. Um quite elaborate hat yes. was uh, unfavourably compared to a toilet seat. And a pretzel, apparently. She must have been about 22 at the last, at, you know, Kate and Will's yeah. wedding when uh, that hat kind of got so many headlines. It's a very young age to kind of have to dress on this world stage. I dread to think of the awful mistakes I made when I was 22. What did you think of Eugenie's kind of Jackie O slash Pan Am stewardess? Do you know what? I, th- I think I think she looked I think she looked lovely. I think it would have been perfect if the hemline had just been a bit longer. I thought her hat was very sweet, the little pillbox. There's a danger of if you do retro retro dress and retro accessories, the whole thing is very retro, but she could have done something clever. I don't know. I feel like she could have made it modern with a little twist somehow. For me, it was more Pan Am than Jackie O. It'll be interesting to see what Eugenie wears for her own wedding in October, don't you think? If you thought the dresses were expensive, that's nothing compared to the diamonds. Sarah Royce Greensill joins us to decode the jewellery. Sarah, what were some of your favourite choices? Um, well, I think we'll go on to the expensive diamonds in a minute, but I first of all wanted to talk about Doria. Uh, there was quite a lot of excitement in the office when we saw in the car that she was wearing her nose stud. She wore um, a pendant necklace and some earrings by Burks, which is a Canadian brand which Megan has worn quite a lot, so maybe Megan helped her pick those out. And, uh, and they were quite conservative. They, they looked like something the Middletons would wear. But I thought it was really nice that she still kept her nose stud and her other stud earrings. She's got multiple ear piercings because I felt like that's really a part of her and it kind of represents her personality. So it was a nice merging of the two worlds almost. It's not really what we'd expect from Mother of the Bride it's style. Not, it's not, exactly. I'm really hoping that loads of people are going to go and get their nose pierced now. And we can... Makes me want to um, put one back in, actually. I've got a... Yeah, you should. Piercing, yeah. I think it's actually really flattering when you have that, like, a twinkle of a diamond, like, on your face. But other than that, there were some really amazing jewellery there. Um, Kitty Spencer was wearing a yellow diamond and diamond bulgari necklace and some matching earrings. Serena Williams was also wearing um, bulgari. She was wearing a vintage necklace which had these really old, ancient, like, first century AD coins on it. Amal Clooney looked amazing. She was wearing this pair of 17-carat diamond earrings by Lorraine Schwartz. They are absolutely beautiful. Priyanka Chopra was also wearing these massive diamond earrings by Lorraine Schwartz. And Lorraine Schwartz is a designer that you usually see on the red carpet at the Oscars or something. Um, So it's that real Hollywood glamour. You know, she made Beyonce's engagement ring. Blake Lively wears her a lot of the time. So I really enjoyed this kind of real sense of drama and glamour that was thanks to these Hollywood superstars, um, alongside the usual kind of... Pippa Middleton wearing her Robinson Pelham earrings and they were the Chelsea jeweller that made her um, wedding tiara and her wedding earrings. The Duchess of Cambridge wore her old favourite Kiki McDonough, some nice uh, lemon quartz drop earrings. It's amazing to see that kind of um, contrast between the family heirloom kind of jewels Mm. and then the proper enormous Hollywood red carpet pieces that normally arrive with a security guard. Yeah, it was uh, Oprah Winfrey. I don't know who made her earrings, but she had some really massive diamond earrings and a a massive diamond ring. She looked great. Total bling fest. Yes, exactly. 
I also saw um, that apparently um, the Duchess of Cambridge had a new ring to match her kiki earrings, and people were saying it might be a push present from William. Don't get me started on I push presents. That phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Shudder. Phrase, but I think it's important. Well deserved. Um, and the Queen as well. The Queen was wearing um, a double string of pearls, and then she was wearing the Richmond diamond brooch, um, which has a pearl at the centre. There's also another pearl, uh, which is a detachable drop. She chose to wear it without the drop. Um, and it was quite significant, this brooch, I think. It's not one she's worn a lot. She wore it at her 90th birthday celebrations. Um, but it was actually a gift to Queen Mary, who is the Queen's grandmother, um, for her wedding in 1893. So in that way, it has quite a nice link to Meghan's jewellery. It wasn't just the women pulling out all the stops, of course. Stephen Doig's joined us to talk about the menswear looks. Stephen, who were the best-dressed men on the day? I think we saw some really amazing looks from the guys. Um, they kind of held their own against the amazing dresses that the women had on. Um, David Beckham looked incredible in what was Kim Jones from Louis Vuitton's first outing at Diorom in his new job. He dressed David for the occasion in a beautiful morning suit that was very sharp. It was traditional but very modern and elegant. Um, George Clooney looked great in a grey suit and yellow tie. Um, and I think he really showed how it's important not to look corporate if you're a man at a wedding wearing a suit. Also, often you can look like you're heading to the office, but he really brought it into a, a more ceremonial sense with grey. Um, and and how, how did he do that? Is that through like accessories or? I think he picked a suit that was a light grey colour and through accessories. So these very jolly yellow pocket squares and ties and things. How did the Americans do? Because obviously there was this kind of talk that the dress code goes out. For women, it's maybe a little bit more self-explanatory. It's kind of a, a dress and a hat. But for men who were kind of getting this, a morning suit or... How did they do? I think they looked pin sharp. And Prince Charles looked pin sharp as usual. Um, he has a long history with Savile Row. Um, his morning suit was really elegant. The touch of lilac looked ceremonial and he just nails it every time. And sorry, Harry's got an incredible... Inherits an incredible legacy of style from his father. He's very dapper, isn't he? Prince Charles. Charles yeah. or Harry? Charles. Charles. Harry's got a way to go. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Charles just sort of seems to have a bit of a natural, a natural yeah. flair. And yeah. he, I think he actually likes fashion, do you think? He, he has a real appreciation of tailoring in Savile Row and really embraces it um, and has fun with it as well. You can tell that he enjoys the ceremony of dressing up in suits. I don't think Harry's there yet with his more casual, easy style. Um, but there's reason that Prince Charles tops best dress lists the world over. What was Elton? Who dressed Elton John? <laughs> uh, Gucci in um, a morning suit, which is quite a non a non Gucci thing. Normally it's kind of snakes and vibrant prints and all that, but they did a really beautiful, well tailored morning suit. Well, especially have an insane pair of glasses. Yeah. yeah, an Elton John pink crystal number. Especially since Gucci just did a collaboration actually um, with Elton John. I think looking at his archive, uh, pulling mm. out kind of pieces they did a bag that was like a record cover and there were kind of bomber jackets and, and, and this was very, you know, yellow brick road stuff. This mm -hmm. was Technicolor and and lightning bolts and on stage Rocket Man. Mm -hmm. So I suppose we can see kind of where that relationship has come from, but maybe surprising that he didn't go for something a bit bolder. Yeah. He towed the line. He towed the line. He knew it was a very important British ceremony. He went for Gucci, but went for very, very stately ceremonial patrician Gucci. <laughs> Who knew there was such a thing? Who knew? Who was your best dressed guest of the day? And what did you make of the Duchess's outfit recycling? Tell us in an email to unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. And visit telegraph.co.uk slash fashion for more news and perspectives from the week. 
to the main event. Princes Harry and William arrived in military dress. Stephen, what did you make of the groom's suit? I thought it was completely appropriate and very elegant and had so much meaning to it. Um, he was in Blues and Royals, which is a part of the armed forces mm-hmm. military attire. Um, he has, it's interesting to know that he has higher ranking uniforms, but he chose that one because he has a long history of being in the Royal Marines and the armed forces, and that was one that had the most resonance to him. It's where he earned his stripes, as it were, in the, in the military. Um, it was a frock coat from Deej and Skinner, who are traditional uh, military tailors in Savile Row. And the diagonal, the kind of very distinctive, unique diagonal braiding down the front uh, denotes that he is in the Royal Marines or the Lifeguards. It's particular to that one regiment. I thought it was a really fitting tribute. So what could we have seen if he'd worn one of the other uniforms? I mean, Prince William, before his wedding, had been very recently appointed the head of the Irish Guards, which he hadn't. He wasn't up until a, f- a couple of months before the wedding. That allowed him to wear that incredible scarlet ceremonial number. Mm. So Harry really has his pick of any of the regiments that he worked in or presided over. His recent promotion, anyway, in the armed forces meant that he could wear facial hair because wearing facial right. hair with a military this, uniform... This beard discussion this a big... was a very big point. <laughs> there was much chaos in beard the newsroom gate. the other day, wasn't there, talking about yes. this? There has been an issue of Beardgate and whether he would get away with the beard. <laughs> Having looked through the rules, and there are many and they are very complex, military personnel are not meant to have facial hair unless it's for religious or personal reasons or health reasons, basically. However, his honorary rank gives him... He can do what he wants. He's above the rules. He's above the rules. <laughs> but having been promoted by the Queen means he can he owns it anyway. He can do what he wants. Do you think he looked a little bit scruffy? I agree. agree I think Stephen? the beard could have been trimmed, and I think his hair could have been a bit neater. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't the into day. the hair. The hair fluffy, looked. The hair it? looked a bit. Was, I think it's thinning a bit, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and it was yeah. a hot day. His mm. hair got a bit, a little bit fluffy. Um, I Humidity think, got him. Yeah, he's a long way to go before he's at Prince Charles's level of sharpness. I yeah. think. I'm sure Meghan will work her magic. <laughs> a little bit of Markle Sparkle. But it's interesting that the understatement <laughs> of kind of she went for an understated dress, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But that Harry obviously went for quite an understated uniform when he had, you know, if he could have done the scarlet, he could have done the braiding, he could have done something really. He could have employed an alet, which is what William had, which is the gold braiding, very ceremonious, very decorous. Um, he didn't. I think it was the one uniform that meant the most to him because it relates to his working life and his working career. Mm. Um, and it was very sweet that Dejan Skinner also made all the page boys uniforms in the same cast as as Harry's uniform. So we had little mini little Harrys. Mini we had mini Harrys. And actually, we're talking a lot about Meghan's dress and the incredible work that has gone to it. Um, William Skinner revealed over the weekend, the man who made the outfit, that just the sleeve to apply the lace on Harry's sleeves took one week. One person applying it for one week. Wow. And wow. over 65,000 stitches to create the entire piece. So it might look a little less impactful, perhaps, in, in the, the black ensemble etc but a huge amount of work had gone into making it it's such a big part of the sort of pomp and ceremony of the whole thing as well isn't it you know seeing those men in uniform i think it would have been a bit different if they were in suits yeah i think think it it really i agree and we want to see our royals in military dress to kind of add that ceremonial element to the occasion of course no outfit was more hotly anticipated than the brides we'd been trying to guess the identity of the wedding dress designer for months 
But Megan surprised us all, choosing not a British label, but the French house of Givenchy. Caroline, you were poised to cover the news. When did you realise the dress was a Givenchy design? So I'm just going to start by saying that all these people who, in the aftermath, are saying they knew it was Claire Wake Keller for Givenchy all along, they're liars. They're complete <laughs> liars. None of us had guessed that it was going to be Givenchy. And basically, on the day, um, when I knew that I'd be doing the sort of the breaking story of what it was and the quick reaction piece... I had prepared, I would say, seven different scenarios for seven different designers. And this was scenario eight. So I had basically 11 minutes between the moment that Megan stepped out on our television and they confirmed that it was Givenchy to the moment that we get the pictures through ready to publish, the still pictures come through kind of on the wires. um, And there's a slight delay in that ready for us to publish online. I basically had 11 minutes to rewrite my whole piece. (laughs) And you did it. You did it in style. (laughs) (laughs) It was really fast. And there was a point as well when, I think it was you, Charlie, stood up and said, oh, my God, and are we going to be able to do this? And I just literally put my head, head down and just went for it because... Yeah. You're sugarcoating that one. I swore. It was, dear, she dear was. Dear listener, I swore, but I'm glad Caroline's not repeating it. <laughs> no, please, no profanities on the podcast. <laughs> she was hiding in plain sight, though, really, because this is a British designer at the helm of a Parisian house. Why didn't we think of it? The answer is because we were all so focused on the British labels. We were talking about Erdem, we were talking about Ralph and Russo, we were talking about Burberry, all these kind of British houses. And, of course, Claire Wake Keller from Birmingham uh, is at Givenchy. But then, you know, the reason we didn't think of it is because it's always been the choice of, of a royal bride to support a British brand, not least because they, you know, Alexander McQueen, who Kate chose, pay their taxes in Britain. Right. It, it's a boost to our economy if that brand does well, whereas Claire Wake Keller is British, but Givenchy is a French house. I think this kind of shows that there's a new diplomacy now to the fashion rules that the royals are following or that Meghan is going to create for herself and yeah I think it's important that she um, supports British fashion and British design and she she's certainly done that up to this point but you know I think with Brexit looming Euro-British relations are very important so I'm sure the French will be very touched to know that you know a British duchess princess has um chosen one of their you know most famous couture houses to design her wedding dress also this is Meghan Markle we're talking about I mean she she wants you know the absolute best of the best she is going to be a star icon you know there's no doubt about it and so what better way to kind of put your stamp on that than choosing the house which made an icon of Audrey Hepburn of Jackie Kennedy. Bethan, you pointed out one of the kind of slightly more controversial fans of the brand as well, who kind of Megan is now in, in company with. It's quite interesting. Um, the last time that Givenchy was worn at a kind of major royal event by a major protagonist within that event was um, at the funeral of the Duke of Windsor in 1972. So Duke of Windsor was um, the king who abdicated, obviously because he, he loved Wallace Simpson. And Wallace Simpson, who was a, a very stylish woman, an American divorcee, 
few similarities with Megan, actually. Um, she loved Givenchy and actually he loved her as well. And um, to the extent that he stayed up all night long creating a black outfit for her to wear to the funeral of her husband, which was at St. George's Chapel, the same place that Meghan and Harry got married. So there were these kind of symmetries. And I mean, that is total fashion geek stuff. But I think it's a very interesting kind of symbolism. And it just shows that there's this kind of freshness to Meghan. And, you know, she's kind of wiping away the cobwebs of the past. Obviously, Claire Wakehill has been artistic director at Givenchy for just over a year now. And it was so such a statement, I thought, in, in how different her vision is for Givenchy than Ricardo Tisci, who was there before her. Think about Ricardo Tisci at Givenchy. He did Kim Kardashian's wedding dress. Yeah. It had cutouts. It had lace. It was very... It was a different thing. <laughs> this was very... <laughs> that's very diplomatic. Very, very <laughs> diplomatic, yeah. th- This was a classic six-seam bateau neckline which is a Givenchy house icon, uh, you know, it's a heritage design for them. Um, and Claire Wakehiller has just brought that forward for a modern woman. Still it, very modest though, isn't it? Very modest. I have to say, I, I loved the dress and I, I loved the veil as well, which was this huge expanse of kind of delicate silk tulle, which had been embroidered with um, the f- 53 flowers significant to each of the Commonwealth countries um, and also a flower that grows in um, in Harry and Meghan's garden which they love um, and the the Californian poppy as well but um, actually just before coming onto this podcast I, I bumped into um, one of the kind of women who works at the Telegraph and in a complete other department and she was like what do you think of the dress and I said I loved it and she was like I hated it and I have to say I've heard I've heard divided opinions about it Uh, certainly kind of on our fashion desk we were sat with the news team on the day uh, kind of under the big screens and and all responding kind of at the same moment we all loved it Um, but actually a lot of people that I have spoken to have been a bit disappointed that maybe it didn't have the sparkle or kind of the lace of Kate's dress you know everything that that kind of goes before says that a royal wedding dress should be elaborate. It should be ornate. You should be able to see the detail from a mile away, which is where a lot of the bystanders are watching from. Um, And I think this was completely kind of out of nowhere, this really minimal, really simple design. And I thought it was beautiful, but I can see why some people maybe felt it fell a little flat. I think as well, we'd sort of been gearing ourselves up for it to be very plain because I think of all the kind of women of the royal family Meghan just even in the last six months you know apart from that one Ralph and Russo dress that she wore um, for her engagement pictures everything has been quite dark colours you know lots of neutrals you know I think she's maybe worn a couple of floral dresses but apart from that everything has been very pared back so I think it maybe would have been quite a surprise to us to us if she, if she had gone kind of hot, you know, Disney princess. She'd been citing as well um, a long time ago in an interview that Carolyn Bassett Kennedy was one of her kind of pin-up brides, if you like. If she had a Pinterest board, that's who's on it. Um, so Can I just say I love the idea of Megan and Claire Wake Keller creating a Pinterest board? Doing a Pinterest, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, she was her, her pin-up. Um, so, so yeah, to us, the, sim- the simplicity of it was not 
the bit that was unexpected. But the other thing that got people talking, of course, was the fact that it was white. And it wasn't just a bit white. It was optic, bright, brilliant white. And that, to me, was another big statement because obviously this was her second marriage. There was a lot of chat about will she wear a colour? Will she, you know, go for something off-white? And no, she went really, really white. Camilla (laughs) wore a blue-gold damask when she married uh, Prince Charles. And it was, you know, very bridal. It It was a beautiful outfit, but it wasn't a white wedding dress. But Meghan's um, first marriage, that's not part of the fairy tale that she's weaving. You know, it's not something she's spoken about. It's not been touched on. This is not part of her strategy. So to have any kind of link to that in her wedding day looks, it would have made us talk about it more and it, it would have brought that to the fore. For her, you know, this is the start. This is a clean slate. This is something new. She is Princess Meghan. That's all you need to know. And the headdress said that. (laughs) Emphasis on the clean slate as well, because apparently the people who made it had to wash their hands every 30 minutes so that it didn't get grubby. (laughs) Very good detail. Sonia, what did you make of the hair and makeup? Um, I loved it. Loved it, loved it. I think think Megan looked amazing. But the, the real standout for me, actually, for the morning in particular, was the fact that she wasn't really wearing much makeup. So her good friend, um, Daniel Martin, who she has um, sort of, uh, she's quoted as as saying that he's her right-hand man. Um, In the past, he's a makeup artist. He's based in New York. He's a Dior ambassador. Very sort of fashion week um, makeup artist. And, you know, he doesn't have the grandeur of, say, a Charlotte Tilbury or a Mary Greenwell, which, you know, we were sort of speculating in the office if, if it would be someone like that beforehand. But actually, I think it's such a statement that she went for she went for one of her friends, you know, and, and you know, the niceness of actually, I don't want a very statement makeup look. I want it all be about my skin and her skin is spectacular. You know, she's been having monthly, well, I, I guess probably more frequent than monthly, but facials with um, Sarah Chapman, who's based in um, in Chelsea. And her skin looked impeccable. And actually, in throughout the makeup, you could see her freckles. You could see her real skin. You know, it was very unbridal. And, you know, the sort of lovely coral pinky lipstick was very Megan. Soft, smoky eyes and a little bit of a, you know, a few false, um, singular false lashes. Um, just sort of accentuated her her eyes beautifully. When I was looking back at the sort of the TV footage, there was a lot of focus on her on her eyes. I felt, yeah. and I I felt like the whole look had been made to sort of frame this sort of you know delighted bride sort of. It was thing. very fresh, yeah. very pretty, just very sort of youthful. I think it wasn't. It was dare I say the complete opposite to the sort of makeup look that the Duchess of Cambridge had, which was slightly more camera friendly um you know her eyes were more defined her skin was more bronzed whereas Megan it was almost kind of girl next door makeup in a really lovely fresh vibrant way um and then obviously her hair was created by Serge Lamont who is a massive um uh, uh, New York based stylist he's got two salons in New York and quite a mega sort of New York name you know he does Sarah Jessica Parker he does um, Giselle. You know, he is known for that big Hollywood, big sort of New York blow dry. Um, lots of extensions, really like lots of volume and lots of glamour. 
And I thought it was a really interesting choice that she chose him to do her morning um, hair because it was quite a big do. It was, I mean, it, I suppose it had to be for that epic veil and the amazing tiara. Yeah, the tiara was absolutely amazing. I think everyone was really excited to see what she was going to wear, whether she was going to wear a tiara, and there was a lot of speculation about which one it might be. It turned out to be one that we no one predicted. So it was Queen Mary's bandeau tiara. Um, it was made in 1932, um, and it was actually made to incorporate this brooch, the central brooch that was given to Queen Mary as a wedding gift in 1893. Apparently Queen Mary received over 40 brooches as a wedding gift, as you do. Uh, so the brooch that the Queen was wearing was one of them, and then the brooch that was the central part of this tiara was another one of them. And Queen Mary was a big kind of jewellery fiend, really. She was responsible for a lot of the pieces that are in the Queen's collection. She did a lot of commissioning jewellery. She took her jewellery apart and made new things out of it. So, and, and I think her and the Queen have quite an affiliation. The Queen wears a lot of pieces from Queen Mary's collection. Um, and this tiara was a really beautiful example. It's very art deco. It's very geometric. It perfectly suited Meghan's style, that kind of paired back. It's not too princessy, but it was very glamorous. I think everybody completely loved it. And then she also wore a pair of Cartier stud earrings that were quite round. So they kind of round motif matched the roundness of the central brooch of the tiara. And then she had this quite amazing Cartier bracelet. Um, and it was just quite a strong statement, I think. Because the dress was so minimal... The jewellery played a big part in, in kind of the intricacy and the embellishment was in the designs on the tiara and, you know, this diamond kind of lace-like motif rather than having a very lacy dress. Um, and I thought it, it worked really well. And I think actually if you look back at pictures of uh, the Duchess of Cambridge on her wedding day with these drop earrings and the very princessy, more spiky tiara, actually that look looks a lot more dated than looking at Meghan with these stud earrings and this quite sleek geometric tiara. The new Duke and Duchess of Sussex arrived at their evening reception in a 1968 Jaguar. Meghan had changed into a halter neck silk dress by Stella McCartney that more overtly nodded to the late Carolyn Bassett Kennedy's bridal look, which Meghan called everything goals. Bethan, what did you make of it? I thought it was so glamorous. I mean, if you'd just seen that picture, you, you would have thought this was like a shot from a Bond film or like that they were on their way to Studio 54. It did not look like they were off to a royal wedding reception. Um, and I know that we keep making comparisons to Kate and I know that's kind of does get a bit tired sometimes, but I couldn't help but think back to the McQueen dress that she had for her evening do, which was so beautiful. Um, but she wore this sort of like fluffy cardigan over the top, you know, and it was all very kind of very proper and Megan just looked knockout. I mean, she could have been going to the Oscars, um, you know, instead of going to to a wedding reception. But that did kind of seem to be the vibe of the whole thing when you looked at, like, you know, Serena Williams and Valentino or Jessica Mulroney and her kind of gold, slinky, Naeem Khan gown. You know, that was the, the real feel of it. So it's the Oscars at Frogmore, basically. Absolutely. I mean, next year, who needs Hollywood? I kind of agree that she obviously did want to go down that Hollywood route. She obviously also... You know, Carolyn Kennedy's wedding dress was this Narcissa Rodriguez slip that was just kind of a barely there, nothing. She had this beautiful tan. She had her kind of 
honey blonde highlights pulled back into this low bun. Meghan couldn't go quite as far as that. Probably a slip dress maybe would have been a step too far for the Queen. But I think you could definitely see her referencing that, you know, with the low back. And the bun. The bun created by um, George Northwood, which is very surprising, I must say. Quite a dark horse move by George. Um, (laughs) Do you think he's been behind... Because the, the the Megan's messy bun has been a bit of a hair phenomenon recently. Yeah, hasn't it? I don't think he's he's the guy for for all of the messy buns. I think she's she's very aware of what suits her and what's modern and what feels current and what doesn't look dated. And you know that is the epitome of a modern wedding reception hairdo. And it's lovely that she went for someone like George, who is he he you know he created Alexa Chung's bedhead Bob 12 years ago he's very much all about that low-key relaxed soft hair look you know nothing about his aesthetic is done or overdone and he's one of the leading names in hair for the UK and you know it was lovely it was just a very soft easy elegant bun probably took a little bit of time to create it always does for the most low-key looks but, you know, the soft flyaways, she just slightly enhanced her makeup from the morning, you know, slightly pinker, pinkier lip and a bit more of a brown, smoky eye. But it was just very relaxed. And I think she is the epitome, really, of the, that modern day beauty bride. That updo looked great with the halter neck as well, didn't it? And Absolutely. I yeah. feel like halters now, we're going to see, I bet we see loads more of them at the next round of shows in September. It was quite sassy. I think relaxed seems to be a thread that runs through as well because yeah. um, obviously guests weren't supposed to kind of do any social media or share anything from the event. One of the Suits actresses uh, shared some Insta stories of slippers that all the um, female guests were given so they could change out of their high heels for the evening reception. Excellent. Love that. So all love, it's all in the detail. Do you think the Queen had a pair on? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I wonder if the evening kind of transitioned into a, you know, the Queen bids farewell at half past ten, and then the DJ comes out. I read somewhere <laughs> that they that um, there was an after after party at Chilton Firehouse. Of course. I sort of feel like if you have to get in a car and drive for like an hour, that might kill the vibe kind a bit. But it kills the yeah. buzz. Yeah. Yeah. Clifton would have been a good. Um, Location actually for oh, an after yeah. party oh, where, yes. where Megan got a, ready and, and maybe a perfume party exactly you know it's got all that scandal behind it and it's a beautiful hotel <laughs> the I, grounds I are incredible have yeah. stayed there myself and they've recently done up the spa though I doubt any of us will be able to get a booking now that <sighs> Megan's there. and tellingly actually Sarah Chapman is exclusive at that spa oh, her collection it so all comes it together. All... <laughs> There's a thread. There's a thread. So she probably had a, a, a last-minute wedding facial, I'm sure. Dress aside, the main talking point of Meghan's second outfit was the large aquamarine ring on her right hand. Sarah, why is it so special? Yeah, you couldn't really miss it. As she was waving to the crowd, she had this large chunk of aquamarine there on her hand. And people were very quick to point out that it looked like an aquamarine ring that belonged to Diana. Uh, later on, the maker of the ring, which is the British company Asprey, confirmed that it is the same ring. So it looks like Prince Harry gave Meghan this ring that belonged to Diana as a wedding gift. Um, and that was a lovely something blue. She wore it with those Aquajura shoes, which had the soles painted blue. Um, and it's really kind of a touch tribute I guess when they got engaged he said they did the engagement ring with two of Diana's diamonds to make sure that she was with them on this crazy journey as he as he said Um, and I think having Diana's 
personal ring as well as another really nice way to uh, to include her in their day. Um, I think Prince William did something similar with Kate when they got married. He gave her a pair of sapphire and diamond earrings matching the engagement ring, which of course belonged to Diana. Kate actually had them altered, so they were stud earrings, and she had them altered into drop pendant earrings, which you could say almost trying to distance herself maybe a bit from just completely replicating what Diana did. Um, but Megan looked quite comfortable with that with that big rig on her hand, and I think it really suited her. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it was gorgeous. Quite unusual. I mean, you kind of expect these heirloom pieces to be pearls and diamonds, mm. and, you know, Kate's sapphires, that's a very traditional choice. Mm. And aquamarine is... Is quite different. I don't think we've seen that before, really. It's interesting because, um, being the Diana geek that I am, she, you know, in her sort of post-separation years, she became very sleek and glamorous, and almost that sort of Hollywood thing that we yeah. were talking about, and which obviously is where Meghan is from. So I think it's really interesting that Harry chose a piece from sort of the later years of her style that we saw when she was a bit more kind of daring and glamorous and it's it's not so traditional it's it's kind of a bit more edgy but my gosh that's so beautiful that ring it was mm. when she kind of moved away from the kind of ruffles and the padded shoulders and all that kind of blue roll cover stuff of the 80s but also when her, <laughs> when her hair went from from enormous to like slicked back and wet look yeah you know? yeah it's mm. it was her 90s reinvention wasn't yeah. it and she suddenly went into these kind of really sleek dresses and and developed this relationship with with Versace and started wearing their designs yeah I think it's interesting that Harry's kind of obviously sees Meghan in that part of Diana's world Mm. and I think Diana was very in in those days was very daring with her jewellery and she wore a lot of colourful jewellery I mean even before that she was taking chokers and wearing them in her hair and I think we could see Megan kind of revisiting. She has the confidence and she has the star quality, I think, to wear jewellery in a really daring way. To hear more about every detail of the royal wedding and see the day in pictures, visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion. And please tell us what your highlights of the wedding were or send feedback and questions to unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. And that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.